0: Oh, this... oh. Come on and get me! Then I thought about it.
1: This has gone way beyond ridiculous, beyond dumb. This is insanity. What is going on? I'm, I'm gonna gonna fight me. you, bro! Seriously, so that's it? Yeah! no, nope. I told you it's a rhino and then it's off. All happening at once. And Molly, Now I'm sweating. And you got an eight and a third chance of winning! Yo, that buddy. It's a dead man.
0: I'm dumb as fuck.
1: now we sleep by artificial language that lead in was actually from the first track um, from now we sleep called the back of my mind I actually didn't even know this band existed until I watched a YouTube video from one half of the Dickey Dine show Boston um, Dickey and he had recommended this band and this album in particular And usually he and I don't exactly see on the same page as far as music tastes are concerned. But I, you know, I enjoy music, so I wanted to look into something different. And I will tell you from hearing that, even that little opening kind of strata, um... From that song, I was hooked immediately. And this album just gets better the more you listen to it and the longer you listen to it. And it's also got a deep meaning. Two people having a debate whether life is worth living or not. You know, you have the optimist saying, yeah, you know, life gets hard sometimes, but, you know, you got to persevere and make it through. And the pessimist is like, no, it's just easier if you just end it. It's easier if you, you know, end it all and then all of life's burdens and troubles will go away because you have nothing to worry about anymore. Now, being somebody that struggles with Anxiety and depression, this conversation has happened in my mind several times. And, you know, that's what you end up finding out is that this is one person and this is basically him wrestling with his own demons. But being somebody that wrestles with depression and anxiety myself, there's a good message. There's a good message in this album. The album is great front to back. Basically, the entire album is concept. And it's about, the back of my mind is one of my favorites. Trail of Lights is another one that I really like. And Now We Sleep, actually, um, is the end of the album. And it has the guy from The Contortionist. I can't think of his name right now. This is a really, really good song, um, really good album, super proggy. So if you're not into Prague, it might not be for you. But, you know, you got two guitarists, a drummer, a bassist, a pianist, which very interesting. And then your lead singer. But it all kind of fits. It's like a weird formula, but it all kind of fits. You know, you'll have this break where the piano will come in and it just kind of adds another layer. And the guitarists for artificial language really, really vibe off of each other. Really technical guitar players. It's just... It, you don't hear a lot of albums like this anymore. And it's, it's refreshing to hear an album... That sounds so different than what everybody else is putting out. And I know artificial language isn't exactly, they're not a Metallica or, you know, even to a lower level, like somebody like a periphery or something like that, but still, these guys are super talented. And even though they're flying under the radar, it's still worth checking out, even their Their album before this, The Observer, is still great. They really made a fan out of me, and I recommend that anybody that likes good guitar work, good vocals, I would recommend checking it out. That's my review. I'm going to try and do this. I'm going to try and do different ones every week, so I will probably end up posting something on Twitter or maybe Facebook to see what you guys want me to review next so have a good day outliers and remember every day is going to be difficult but it's what you do it's how you look at it that can make us uh impact on your life every day is a blessing and never forget that
0: Moment he knew he fucked up hello and greetings again this is lewis Witcher your aew podcast first and foremost before we get started i want to say thank you for listening thank you for tuning in and what i'm going to be covering is week two to week three because we do a once a month podcast so i'm going to try to get everything in that i can for all you people So, um, first and foremost, let's just kick it off. Um, You can see the progression from week one to week two and how the shows become more interesting and what WWE doesn't necessarily do and what AEW does do is leave you wanting more from one week to another week. AEW has won, as far as the ratings go, all three weeks in succession. So let's just get right into the show. First, it started off with the first match of the tag team tournament, which was Private Party versus the Young Bucks. This was a fantastic match. I mean, move for move, these guys are just incredible. And I mean not to constantly uh, bash WWE, but, you know, if you ever watch WWE, they kind of get away from the aspect of tag team wrestling, even though it could be so good and so entertaining to watch. But in their regard, they kind of get away from it. But it's also good because it's filler for television time and it being a two-hour show. As I said before, this was a fantastic match. The commentators were referring to the Young Bucks being the first seed, and I believe they referred to the private uh, private party as the eighth seed. So this is really interesting, you know, because you have, like, uh, certain playoffs, like March Madness, you have all these teams in a tree-like formation as they play against one another. And through their um, wins and losses throughout this tree, they ultimately lead to the championship. And I think this is really interesting. I think this is really great for AEW, the way that they're going about having this particular tournament for the Tag Team Championship. So as I said, I'm not gonna get too deep into this because we're covering uh, two weeks, uh, number two and number three. And uh, you have Private Party coming out with a clean win. Now, the great thing about the Young Bucks, you know that they're part of the executive producer teams AEW, but they just like Kenny just like Cody they get over talent you know they might want to print out some handouts to the WWE as far as those in Titus catering if you will for those particular athletes and stars that's not getting the time that they need to flourish and to grow but in this particular case Yes, the Tag Team Championship is on the line toward the end of this particular tournament, but yet their selfless act is to get over the talent. And I think they do that very well. And it showed here, I mean, move for move, both these teams are just fantastic. They got Private Party over. Private Party looks strong moving forward in this particular tournament. Now next we have Chris Jericho and the Inner Circle. So I guess you could kind of say in a way, this is the first faction of AEW. And this team consists of Chris Jericho, their leader of course, Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz, and Sammy Guevara. Now with Chris Jericho, when you put a mic in his hand, it's going to be nothing but gold because he's just going to go out there and he's going to do his own promo. He doesn't need a cue card. He doesn't need a index card with bullet points and things like that, that he has to touch upon. He's been in this business for quite some time. He is their representing champion. He is the champion of AEW and you could tell in more ways than one with his charisma, his mic skills, It's really, really uh, difficult as far as the WWE is concerned because some people on the roster of that of the WWE can cut great promos, but more times than not, they're giving set promos uh, to say and do and whatever as far as moving toward their confusing storylines. But with Chris Jericho, that's not the case. Everybody loves this guy. And let me just touch upon when they were in the ring and he was talking about Jake Hager. As you know, Jake Hager has been uh, an MMA fighter for a short period, not a very long period of time, but I believe he has four matches under his belt. I believe he is 4-0. and oh, So he is undefeated. Chris Jericho touched upon that. And when he was standing in the ring, he was kind of a statuesque, just looking, not really saying anything. And that's okay, because you had Chris Jericho, in this particular sense, building him up, giving you a better idea of who he is and what he's going to do as far as him being with Chris in the inner circle. He, um, as he was talking the fans started chanting, we the people, for Jake Hager. And then Chris Jericho shut all that down in so many words, buried the WWE by saying, that was a failed idea from bad creative, and that's all gone now. Now, with him saying that, he could have easily, he could have easily just mic dropped right there. But after that particular segment, when he had said that, the crowd the just gave a standing ovation and appreciation for what he was doing as far as uh, talking about his team member and telling you what the inner circle is all about. Now, moving on in the match card, the next match was Jimmy Havoc versus Darby Allen. Now, again, as I said before in the previous podcast, uh, they have a way of getting talent over. And in this particular situation, they gave Jimmy Havoc a small promo leading into this particular match. And that was good for him because, again, like I said in the previous video, these are people that you may not be necessarily seeing from other promotions or whatnot or didn't see them at all. But in this particular case, you will be seeing them and they're going to be getting this television time and they will grow right before your eyes. They will show you exactly how good they are. And I think this particular sense was a way of building up Darby Allen, but yet showing you that they are not limited to the hardcore style type of matches. These guys have so much talent and they could go beyond that of just a hardcore setting so with that being said you have darby allen for the win it was a great match and it also showed you that these hardcore so-called genre type wrestlers can actually wrestle and do their own thing while showing you a bit of their charisma while you're getting more comfortable with these two in the ring. Now, next on the match card, we have Bia Priestley and Sakura versus Riho and Dr. Britt Baker. This was also another good match, but I think for the women's division, it's more like a work in progress. You see, because for a lot of the time, these, women are going to be facing each other for the first possible second time uh, if you don't count the pay-per-views. And my thing here is I'm getting vibes of VR Priestley and Dr. Britt Baker. They're going to have like a slow build between these two. And I mean ultimately that's going to determine who's going to be the next number one contender for that of Riho being the representing champion but in this particular match it was a tag match you had Dr. Britt Baker and Rio for the win and I think moving forward you're going to have Bea Priestley, Dr. Britt Baker going at it soon if not probably building their upcoming feud. On television moving toward an upcoming pay-per-view I don't know if you're gonna see him at full gear but let's see now for the next match on the card you have Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard versus John Moxley yeah you know this is gonna be a, a barn burner you know this is gonna be a really good um, physical match and it was a physical match but even With Moxley getting the win here, Sean Spears looked strong. I mean, ultimately, they both look strong, but in this regard, they're giving uh, John more of a singles competitor outlook for that at the television show, minus what you saw on the pay-per-views. But I think the best highlight was after the match in this instance with Kenny Omega coming down the ramp. Oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to say, uh, during this match, you had Pac on commentary. He joined the commentary team as Moxley and Spears was in this particular match. And he was going on about how he has wins over Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega, and why he's upset with uh, Darby Allen getting the win over Jimmy Havoc, getting the first title shot leading into week three against Chris Jericho. So Kenny came down the ramp after the match. He had a broom wrapped in barbed wire, he had a baseball bat wrapped in barbed wire and as he was coming down the ramp he was given that that frozen rope stare to John Moxley and the fans was just totally into this i think they were crying out holy crap holy shit holy they they were totally stimulated by this and not one action was taken of that beyond the stare down. So this particular stare down made them both look strong. It gave you an anticipation of what's to come moving forward. But like I said, he had in one hand, the broom wrapped in bob wire, the baseball bat wrapped in bob wire. And upon the stare down, he throws Moxley the bat. So upon doing so, we're thinking we're gonna get some kind of skirmish between the two on the ramp. And God only knows where it could potentially lead up to. But, shortly thereafter, Pack had grabbed the steel chair and before this particular skirmish could get underway, he had nailed Kenny Omega in the back and the neck particular instance, it gets him over further as a heel, and it prevents this particular skirmish from happening, because after Pack had done his damage with the chair, he had walked away, and then you have Moxley with the bat looking down at Kenny Omega, and you can kind of feel the vibe the vibe that he didn't want Pac's help. He didn't want Pac's help. He wanted to do it all himself. So he kind of got that vibe from John Moxley and he just dropped the bat at that point and walked past Kenny Omega. Now next on the match card we have Chris Jericho Sammy Guevara versus Dustin Rhodes and Adam Hangman Cage. This was the main event. This particular match closed out the show. This was a very entertaining match. I mean, when you when you got these guys, I mean, they they are so, in many ways, underrated as far as those that you're not comfortable with. It was a very entertaining match, but in the end. This was basically a show of the heel faction getting over, and that being the inner circle kind of closing things out with the numbers game because the lights went out after the match uh, when shortly thereafter, Chris Jericho had gotten the pin and Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara got the win. Um, The lights went out. Cody came out, and then Cody started to attack the inner circle. Uh, shortly thereafter, the numbers game had shown when Santana and Ortiz came down to the ring to uh, kind of help to get the upper hand, and then Jake Hager was there from the beginning as, I guess, uh, his particular role until his contractual obligations are met and he could be and have uh, matches within AEW. I think at this particular moment, he is acting as the bodyguard hired muscle for Chris Jericho. But again, the numbers game. Heel faction, getting over that of the face. They close out the show... um, Oh, I'm, so, I'm sorry, I almost forgot. You actually had Darby Allin come down to the ring also to help to build, going into week three, his title match against Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. But still, nonetheless, it was um, heel faction getting more so over, leaving you wanting more, leaving the anticipation of week three's main event between Chris Jericho and Darby Allin. So that is a more quick way to go down the card as we go into week 3. Before we hit the card, just want to give you a few of my personal uh, opinions before we get into the match card. First and foremost at AEW, they they, they have the greatest tag team division in all of wrestling and it's alive and well here in AEW and I have to say another great effort in every single one of these shows as far as storyline as far as giving you a reason to care as far as giving you a reason to tune in the following week Uh, a couple of my little beefs was and I see that they started to I guess maybe hear or feel or whatever have you, I guess all those out in YouTube land had said enough to where they actually heard and they listened and they responded like first and foremost with the music, the music had to be a little bit louder. Now don't get me wrong, like when they come out to the ring, fans are cheering, fans are excited, fans are happy to see whoever it is whether they're cheering or whether they're booing, but the music has to be a little bit louder. And I will say this for the WWE, as far as their setup, as far as their music, their music is great, their entrances are great. And with week three, as opposed to week two, you kind of saw a little bit of a difference so they're already making the proper adjustments to that and another peeve that I got but I'm sure as time goes on they will fix this as well you have an understanding of that of the referees on how they want to call certain matches they want to give it their I guess, respective way of doing things while they're the referee in the ring. And we'll get to that a little bit later. That being the street fight between Darby Allen and Chris Jericho. The announcers have to, I don't want to say protect, but for lack of a better term, let's go with the word protect. The referee's decisions and how they call certain matches and how they use, I guess, their personal protocol, if you will, they have to not be as lost as the fans are when a scenario like, for instance, you have a street fight, and in normal cases, a rope break is not going to be allowed. But in this case, if the referee wants to have a rope break in this particular match, the announcers should say, Well, that's a judgment call via the referee, so that this way they could feel like they could better observe the match as it's going on. So that this way you could say it, it's just a judgment call, they have to protect the referee, and you, as viewers and listeners and whatnot, you have a better understanding. You'll have, you'll, 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 uh, You'll understand it to be like, oh, okay. It's a judgment call via the referee if the announcers say it. It's not like they're going to give an in-ring interview with any of the referees on staff in how and which they want to call certain particular matches. So in this case, if they could just protect just a little bit or reiterate, if you will, saying that, well, this is the decision of the referee and in this particular instance so that you as the viewer can hear this and then you could have a better understanding as opposed to being confused. Uh, moving forward, in set match when you see something like a rope break and a street fight happen more than once. Now moving on. Another, I guess, uh, request that I'll have is we need a little bit more uh, video packages and, and I, I guess promos if you will for these particular wrestlers that we're going to be seeing on AEW moving forward so that this way we can have I don't want to say necessarily a long break from wrestling but when you're watching the show it does kind of have that build up match to match to match to match. And I think in between maybe two, maybe three, that you have already uh, watched in this case scenario for AEW, you can have video packages on some of the talent that we have not seen yet. Or maybe let them cut a, a promo. So that this way we can have even more reason to care about whom this particular person is moving forward in some of these shows that we're watching from week to week and all the pay-per-views. Okay, so moving forward. The first match on the card was SCU versus The Best Friends. Now, they uh, chose for SCU because, you know, that's generally a trio. Uh, Christopher Daniels and Frankie Kazarian. They didn't have Scorpio Sky team up with either one to make the team of two moving forward in the tag team tournament. But um, leading into this match... It was, it was a great scenario in the beginning before the match even started, before the bell even rung. You had the Lucha Brothers come out here and attack SCU. And Pentagon spiked, pile drive Christopher Daniels onto the ramp, and it looked devastating. I mean, for storyline purposes... The referee uh, dropping to a knee, holding up the X sign like it was a real serious injury. Had everybody, I guess in a sense, at the edge of your seat hoping that he's going to be okay regardless of this situation and after the fact. And at this early stage, before the bell even rung, was the match even going to continue? Were we even going to have SCU? versus the best friends. But I will say this for the purposes of storyline. You had Scorpio Sky, visually unprepared for this particular match because he was going to be the one of three that was going to sit out during this particular tournament. He was dressed in street clothes. So visually he was unprepared for this match. It's not like the WWE and when they tell certain storylines about if and when they're going to have a tag team match, six-man tag, or whatnot, and they would show up in their ring gear, even though they're not a part of set match due to the fact of some type of altercation. So again, I will say that for this particular purpose, that was a great Great creative storytelling on the part of AEW because he was not in his wrestling gear. And as a matter of fact, uh, he actually went into the uh, medical assistant's bags and got tape, got the tape for his fingers and whatnot, as he was trying to, at that particular moment, just prepare for what he was unprepared for. And also as we proceeded into this match, uh, not, not to get to too much detail, but the referee did allow, allow uh, Frankie Kazarian and Scorpion Sky to actually get this match officially started as them two will be the two moving forward. In this particular tag team tournament as of which they did come out on top with the win over that of the best friends and this whole scenario was just great storytelling by aew now moving on the next match that we have on the card is santana and ortiz versus john silver and alex reynolds and i believe that they call them the beaver boys the whole point of this match was to get Santana and Ortiz over and to pump them up for their upcoming match versus the Young Bucks at Full Gear, which was verbally set up by Chris Jericho via their version of the Titan when he issued the challenge between the two teams. So Santana and Ortiz for the win on this. Um, John Silver and Alex Reynolds, they did the job. It was pretty quick. It was easy and again like I said before, the sole purpose was just to get these guys over and they did exactly that. Now, next on the show, they had a excellent excellent video package for Cody Rhodes in uh, the upcoming time for him showing you, I guess, what he Does and how he prepares himself for set match and this match being that a very important one against Chris Jericho for the AEW world title. It was an excellent, excellent video package and they should have like a few more of these moving forward for uh, different members of the roster so that this way we could become more familiar with what is to come as far as roster members on AEW Next on the match card we have Dr. Britt Baker versus Riho for the Women's AEW Championship I mean this was a it, this was a good match it was a good match but uh, you could tell that during this particular match there were segments of awkwardness and my guess is that Since Riho cannot speak or understand to, I guess, my opinion causes a communication rift, if you will. And not being able to understand uh, certain elements of this match when, let's say, move per move. In this particular match, as as they were having this match, I think causes a bit of awkwardness, but I think these two are very talented. I think that down the road, these things will be ironed out via more practices, but for this particular scenario, I think there's a language barrier, and that causes for some awkwardness in Rio's matches being that of the champion and um again like i say not not to knock the match or anything like that but the women's division here in aew is a work in progress and i think moving forward that it will be touched upon as far as improving and they will get where they need to be moving forward here in the women's division for aew And I was too busy critiquing the match, and I forgot to tell you who won. Rio came out with the victory, just in case if I didn't say that. So (laughs) a miscommunication on my part, thinking that I I told you the winner. But Rio comes out with the victory. Again, it was a good match. And now on to the next in the match card. Now moving forward, next on the match card, we have in a tournament the match, um... The Lucha Brothers versus the Jurassic Express. Now, sadly, Luchasaurus was not with Jungle Boy at this particular instance because he had apparently suffered some sort of leg injury that caused him not to be one half with that of Jungle Boy for the Jurassic Express. And that's kind of sad because... Personally, you know, not trying to throw Marco stunt under the bus, but Luchasaurus has just been so damn impressive. Every time I had seen him from the pay-per-views, and I was kind of hoping and pulling, if you will, for them to go deep into this particular tournament. But the Lucha Brothers are them guys are just so damn entertaining too. I mean, it's, again, AEW has the greatest assembled tag team faction in all of wrestling. I can't say it enough. I mean, as far as tag team wrestling goes, as far as the rest, uh, the, the, the roster of all the tag teams that AEW has, they have the best of all of wrestling. Now, Going with this match, the Lucha Brothers, for the most part, had the upper hand. I mean, there was segments between Marco and Jungle Boy helping to get a very short upper hand, if you will, against the Lucha Brothers. But the Lucha Brothers, they're, they're for this particular match setting, they were just too good. And it showed because they just brutalized marco stunt and you could kind of tell like how small this guy is not saying he can't wrestle he's talented he can wrestle he can move around he can do these things in the ring but his size doesn't necessarily do him justice in particular matches like this being that of a tournament and the lucha brothers i mean they at one particular moment in this match, you had Pentagon Juder, a junior. Gorilla press him with one arm. With one arm, he had him over his head. He was just walking around the ring, just showing absolute dominance. And with no surprise here, it is the Lucha Brothers for the win against the Jurassic Express, and for the sake of Luchasaurus, I hope that this is not a serious injury. I hope that he gets uh, better soon, so that this way we can see the, I guess, the mainstay forefront of the Jurassic Express being that of Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus moving forward and going against uh, whoever to get a title shot in the near future. Next on the show, we had John Moxley in a small promo talking about just because he was injured before he's not suffering any more ill effects due to set surgery that he had. And he is the top of the food chain in this regard. Uh, Talking about his upcoming match, against Kenny Omega. And I don't know about you folks, but I'm kind of looking forward to this one because it's time we have a match of this caliber for, in this case, full gear, the upcoming pay-per-view. So we had that. And moving on to the next match, we have Pac and John Moxley versus Adam Hangman Page and Kenny Omega and this match was absolutely crazy but as you would figure Kenny and John cannot really keep themselves composed enough for a regular match and this This showed uh, I would say going toward the middle of the match you had Kenny on one side And you had John on the other side and they reached up under the ring and Kenny grabbed the bobbed wire broom. And John grabbed the bobbed wire bat and they were about to face off in the ring hardcore style even though it wasn't that type of match. But in doing so, John had gotten the upper hand by hitting Kenny with the end of the bat not with the bob wire side and he was about to gain the upper hand but then as he was about to advance his attack with the bat then Pac comes in there and stops john from taking that hit knowing that his team would have been disqualified and Pac didn't want to lose so he takes the bat from John and throws it out of the ring. And after that, Moxley, I guess he became frustrated because these two, you know, they weren't going to get along in the first place. And for Pac's trouble, Moxley delivered a double arm DDT and walks out of the ring, leaving Pac to the mercy of Adam and and Kenny Omega, which led them to winning this particular match in this fashion and sticking it to Pac in the end with a loss, even though he tried to do what he tried to do, that taking the bat away from Moxley in order for his team to progress and move forward and get the win, but it didn't happen. You have Adam and Kenny for the win in this particular instance. But this match, I mean, it could have easily main-evented any pay-per-view or any television show. Great match. You had excellent athletes in this one. It was really, really fun to watch. The fans was really, really into it, and... It was overall an excellent, excellent match. And now we come into the main event. Chris Jericho versus Darby Allen for the AEW title. Philadelphia Street Fight. You know, the whole purpose of this match was to get Darby Allen over, and they certainly did, did that. And again, you know, as the match had gone on, Now, mind you, it's a Philadelphia street fight. And there was, I believe, three particular instances where there was a rope break by the referee. And this is where I said earlier that this is where the commentators have to kind of explain so that we, the viewers, can come to expect that here in AEW the referees will have these kind of quirky uh, ways about going to do certain things in these types of matches like a rope break where traditionally there would be no rope break in a street fight. It would be pretty much anything goes, uh, take the rule book and throw it out the window type of situation, but they have to protect their Referees in this regard by saying something to the effect that, well, this particular referee has the protocol of a rope break in a street fight. No, not that it's going to be an advisable thing to do, but it kind of doesn't leave you on the tightrope of thinking, what the hell's going on here? They're not supposed to stop this match or, or, Uh, create a release situation if there's like a submission hold and they reach the ropes and they have to break the hold in a street fight or to prevent a pinning situation to where they're about to get a three count and they reach up and they grab the rope. So I believe the commentators have to protect by way of saying this is the protocol of that of the referee in this particular situation to kind of give you a better idea and, or possible better understanding of why these particular things happen in a match like this. But again, uh, Darby Allen, how good is Darby Allen? I mean, I I can't stress upon the fact enough that if you didn't see the show, you got to see the show. You got to see these shows. I mean, Storyline, storytelling, uh, individuals that are getting more people over, in this particular instance, like Chris Jericho getting over Darby Allen, And now Darby has an opportunity in showcasing his talents, which he did in this particular match. And as always, Jericho is going to be great because he's Jericho, no matter what. And there was a particular spot in this match where Jericho had got the upper hand and he managed to tape his hands behind his back, that being of Darby Allen, And Darby was able to at certain points after this had happened, I mean, he has no use of his, his arms or his hands in this instance. And in this segment, after the fact that he had his hands behind his back, he delivers a moonsault with no hands. Then he hits a on suicide dive with his hands behind his back. Now there's only one other person I seen that had the talent that was able to pull off a similar type move like this in a similar type situation. And that was on a pay-per-view when Orange Cassidy had his hands in his pockets and he delivered the same move to the minions of the dark order. Now here's the difference with Orange Cassidy. How good is this guy? You're going to see how good he is. You will. I promise. He had his hands in his pockets the whole time and his glasses never came off his face. In a similar instance, in this particular instance, going back to Darby, he delivered this move with his hands behind his back. And then he actually did another twisting senton off the top rope to Jericho, which uh, after Jericho uh, recovered he had uh, body slammed him on top of his skateboard but then Darby managed to recover and he got to Jericho again and when he was down I believe that he got uh, almost up to the top rope and my guess would be for Darby to deliver his finishing maneuver which being the coffin drop, I I assume that's what was going to happen, but he was stopped by Jake Hager with a punch to the face. And then it was followed up by the walls of Jericho that gave Jericho the win in this main event. So Jericho is still your representing champion, and you knew as a wrestling fan that he was not going to lose his title. He's just too good at the moment, but what he did do with the writing of that, of AEW creative, he got Darby Allen over even more so. And I think now the fans have a different appreciation for Darby and the same could be said about others soon when we get to see more video packages of more wrestlers and they get the time in the ring and they have the opportunity to show you the fans what they really have to offer here. So again, overall, it was a great, great match. It was really nice to see there was the rope breaks. That was the only thing, but like I say, if the commentators uh, do a little bit better job of kind of, jumping in at these particular situations and kind of explaining it away or explaining protocol that of the particular referee everything should be okay moving forward to to that degree but overall it was a great show that'll tie up week number three and I want to thank you all for listening and taking the time and thank you very much take care